I love it when Michelle prays. I don't know if y'all know the accent, but she's not from around here. <laughs> she's from Australia, mate. And so uh, anytime she's here, Philip's just like, yeah, you're praying. You're praying. Because they just, Australians sound godlier when they pray, do they not? Dear Jesus, that's what we sound like. It's like, anyway. Hey, if, um, we're, we're finishing this series next weekend. And next weekend, if you, um, anybody like Oreo cookies? Oreo cookies? Oreo cookies? Anybody? Anybody? Y- y'all are getting Oreos next week. We're going to give away Oreos. I'm not making that up. I don't know. How, I think y'all are, don't get excited. You're getting like two. But, but, but we're giving away Oreos. And, and I can promise you this. I can promise you this. After next week, you'll never see an Oreo cookie the same way again, ever. We're going to completely change the way you see Oreo cookies. Not, nothing bad, no boycotts on Oreos, okay? Because I, I boycott the boycott on Oreos. I love Oreos. And then the next week, we're starting a brand new series called Hidden in Plain Sight. And because there's some things hidden in plain sight that I feel like we should talk about as a church. And so for the first two weeks, we're just going to dive into something very non-controversial called uh, critical race theory. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about it. Because understand something, critical race theory actually comes from something called critical theory. Um, and critical theory is, is an idea that's been around for about 40 or 50 years. And w- before it was a political issue, it was a biblical issue. And so don't, uh, Pastor P's getting political. Nope, I'm getting biblical. Because, because there, there's some things that the world says and there's some things that God says, and those two things are polar opposites. So we're going to look at what's opposite about these things and how, as followers of Christ, we can enter into a conversation, not condemnation, and actually talk about these things. It's going to make a lot of people happy and a lot of people mad, and I can't wait. Because <laughs> we did that. See, I've already been canceled, so I don't care. Anyway, but today, today we're going to talk about Something fine. Uh, if you're a Clemson fan, and I know I use a lot of football illustrations, but it's like one of the only things I understand. If you're a Clemson fan, you remember the years 2009 through 2013. The, re- the reason you remember these years is because for Clemson fan, these were the dark ages. For five years in a row, South Carolina beat us. Now, when I say us, I've never played a down of college football, but I just feel like I'm part of the team. They beat us for five years in a row. Do you remember this? It was, it was, it was awful. And it didn't make sense because I've gone back. Um, I think four out of the five years that we played them, we were ranked higher. Um, every year that we played them, we had a better offense. I think four out of the five years we played them, we had a better defense. Uh, we scored more points during the year. We had a better record. I mean, on paper, on paper, we should have taken them behind the woodshed. If you're not from South Carolina, you can just ask somebody. For, we should have taken them behind the woodshed and worn them out. But we didn't. In fact, quite the opposite happened. It's, it's like we decided, hey, guys, let's not play football today. And we got demolished. It was so bad that the year we finally beat them, 2014, every Clemson fan that I knew, Every Clemson fan, including me, how do you feel about this year? Ah, oh, man, we look great. Probably going to lose. That's, that's how we felt because we, we kind of got used to losing that game. Now, 2014, we kind of turned it around. And uh, I don't think y'all beat us since. But, but anyway, anyway, 
those, those years were dark years because it didn't make sense. Now, the reason I bring that up is to tie it in to, to Christianity. If you're here today or you're watching online and you're a follower of Christ, I wonder, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm just kind of wondering if there's anybody in the room that keeps losing some battles that you should be winning. I mean, on paper, on paper, there's no reason why we keep falling into that same temptation, why we keep struggling with that same struggle, why we keep doing the same things that we're doing. Because if we're a Christian, then we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have the promises of God. We have the presence of God. Why is it that Christians, people that really do love Jesus and want to do it, why does it seem like so many times we keep getting taken behind the woodshed and worn out by the same problem that's worn us out for years. I don't know if anybody's ever struggled with that, but your boy has. I heard one of my favorite preachers, is, his name is Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he, he talks about, a, he does this leadership talk where he says, new levels bring new devils, and, and, and that's true. If you the, the, the further you go in your walk with Christ, you're going to have to face some new devils. But I heard somebody recently say, it's, it's not the, the new devils that I'm worried about. It's the devils that have been with me since I was five years old that, that I fight with the most. It's, it's new, new levels, but same devils. So I want to talk today to the person that feels like you, you are a Christian and, and, you, and you're trying to follow Christ but there's this thing, there's this struggle, there's this issue that you can't get through. And it's almost to the point where you're ready, to, you're just about ready to give up because, I mean, after all, losing over and over and over again is no fun. Now, two weeks ago, we talked about um, Jesus, Peter, James, and John going up on the mountain of transfiguration. If you were here two weeks ago, we talked out of Matthew 17. Jesus told Pete, Jim, and John, hey, let's go to the top of the mountain. So they climbed up and they, rest the, the, they left the disciples down in the valley. Remember that? And they go to the top of the mountain and they have what you call the ultimate mountaintop experience with Jesus. I mean, he transforms, God shows up, God speaks, Peter tries to speak, God says, shut up, Peter. Um, I, that's my translation. And, and they have this incredible experience with Jesus, and then after that experience with Jesus, they have to come back down the mountain. Now, quick question, this is just, and it's easy. Do you think Peter, James, and John were pretty excited about the experience they had just had with Jesus? Yes or no? Yes, good. So they're totally pumped about this experience they had with Jesus on the mountain, but here's the thing that, that kind of sucks about mountaintop experiences. They don't last. I mean, we got to come down and back into the valley, right? And every once in a while, you'll meet somebody that's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, and they go, oh, no, I don't know, man, I just kind of like going through the valley. Well, that's stupid. I don't. I wish I could just hop from mountain to mountain personally. Now, I learn in the valley. I'm made stronger in the valley, but, but the valley sometimes isn't fun. So they just had this mountain top experience with Jesus, it's amazing. They probably got smiles on their faces and they come back down the mountain and this is what they step into. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them 
And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. So they come off the mountain and they step right into an argument. And they're probably like, man, this is so exciting. This is a, oh, crap, here we go again. That, because the, every time the teachers of religious law showed up, there's an argument. That happens to us probably every week if you're honest enough to admit it. We, we can stand in this room or watch online and we can experience the presence of God. And we are, we, I mean, we feel like Jesus is with us. And by the time we get to the restaurant after the service, we're cussing somebody out. Is anybody, is anybody with me? Okay, y'all are honest. Is anybody over here with me? Anybody? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all are the honest people, okay? They, their halos are just crooked. But, but these people, y'all cuss with me, all right? So don't cuss out loud right now. But, but, but you understand. It happens to all of us. It's like we're in the presence of Jesus. Have you ever told Jesus you would never do something again? And within 24 hours, you're like, oops, I did it again. Like you're, like you're just kind of, that song's stuck in my head now for some reason. I'm sorry. But this is what happens. They, they walk down the mountain and they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some of the teachers of religious law, there's an argument. And, and this is the reason, this is the reason why so many people have walked away from God and have walked away from church. They're tired of walking into the arguments. They're tired. This is the reason, this is the reason why so many teenagers, why so, we are, when I say we, the church is losing the middle school and high school generation at record numbers. They are walking away from the church. And the reason they're walking away from the church, one of the many reasons, is they're sick and tired of stepping into situations like this where people are arguing about things that if they just turned to Jesus, it would have been handled in the first place. And so they walk into this argument. Now, here's what's fascinating. This is what's fascinating. Um, when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. Don't miss this. They ran from the argument to Jesus. Nobody that's ever left the church has ever left the church because they got an accurate view of who Jesus is. If we walked away or, or, or we stepped away, we stepped away because we didn't like religious situations, or we got hurt. Everybody's got church hurt. We've all been hurt by it. I met somebody the other day. I ain't never going back to church again. Why? I got hurt in a church, and I ain't never going back again. I just asked him. I was like, you ever had a bad meal at a restaurant? Yeah. Stop you from eating? <laughs> I see what you did, Pastor. Yeah. I made a 790 on my SAT, but every once in a while, I can come up with something pretty good, all right? I, I love this. The, the crowd ran, oh, don't miss this. They, they ran away from religion to Jesus. That's why we started this church. I want people to feel like you can walk away from religion and to Jesus because religion always tells us what you need to be against. But Jesus 
The reason people ran to him is because they knew what he was for. He was for the outcast. He was for the broken. He was for the confused. He was for the hurting. And when people get an accurate view of who Jesus is, they can't turn their back on him. He's absolutely irresistible. Can I get an amen on that one? I don't ask for one often, but I'm asking for one there. Now, it's about to get a little bit crazy with the situation that's happening. Watch this. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. Now, he, he knew, so he probably asked with kind of a smirk on his face. I, I picture Jesus like that sometimes. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Now, what I'm about to share with you, I've been reading the Bible for over 30 years, and I've never seen it until a few weeks ago when I started preparing for this message. It blew my mind. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, let me set that up this way. Everybody in this room has had a crazy dream. You've had a crazy dream. Some of us have a crazy recurring dream. Um, I can remember my first bad dream, my first nightmare. Um, Mr. Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street was walking up my driveway to eat me. I remember that. I, just, I still, if he appears on the screen, I have to leave the room. He freaks me out. I just don't like him. Um, so it, it triggers me, all right? Make fun of me. I'm not making that up. That is serious. But I have this recurring dream, and you've had it too, or probably something like it, where you're in the middle of a situation, and, and you're in trouble. And when I say you're in trouble, you're, you're surrounded by somebody or somebody has you or they, they tied you up or whatever, whatever, whatever. And there's a crowd of people around you. And all you've got to do is ask for help. All you got to do in this dream is scream and people will come and help you. But when you try to scream in the dream, what happens? Nothing. You, some of you know, is anybody with me or am I the only one? Okay, you're like. <laughs> and nothing's, nothing's happening. It's like you can't speak. You, 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 you can't make a sound. And if you can't make a sound, you can't get help, right? Now, here's what's interesting is the evil spirit possessed this boy when he was young. And by the way, in October, we're doing a series on spiritual warfare. It's going to be so much fun. Halloween is on a Sunday this year. I thought, what a great Sunday to launch a series on spiritual warfare. It's going to be great. Y'all are going to love it. Um, I, I, I get nervous because anytime you do a series on spiritual warfare in the church, just so you'll know, things start going crazy. So y'all just start praying now. Y'all think I'm making that up. I'm serious. Like the camera will get possessed and they'll just walk out of the room. So anyway, we'll just, <laughs> dear God. Um, Here's what I find interesting about this, though. The first thing that this demon did to this boy is took away his ability to talk. Don't miss this. He took away his ability to ask for help. He took away his ability to say out loud what's really going on in his life. It makes sense. There's some people in this room that the enemy's trying to take away your ability to speak about what you're struggling with. 
And the way he takes away that ability is through fear. Because if you really talked about the fact that you, you thought about killing yourself this week, you can't talk about that. People will think you're crazy. When you talk about the fact that you had an anxiety attack over the past week or two, you can't tell anybody that. People think you're normal. When, when you talk about the fact that you, you relapsed, even though you'd been clean for a while, you can't talk about that. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to steal our ability to speak about what we're struggling with. Because if he can steal our ability to speak what we're struggling with, we will eventually lose control. See, I want this to be an environment where you can speak about what you're struggling with. I just want it to be a place where you can speak about what you're struggling with. Like if you're struggling with something, I want this to be a safe place. I want us to be safe people. I want this to be. That's why I'm so passionate about having a student ministry where students can show up on Wednesday night and they can actually speak about what they're struggling with. And, 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 and y'all, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm 50 years old and we need to quit lying to our teenagers. If you got a teenager and you've told them this recently, because I got a teenager, okay? You told them this recently, you lied to them. And, and please forgive your mother or father. They spoke this out of ignorance. This is what we tell them. Well, I don't know what you're so upset about because I was your age once and I went through the same struggles you went through. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. When I was in, listen, when I was in high school, we didn't have social media. We didn't have Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, because if we would have, number one, I wouldn't have graduated. <laughs> no. <laughs> Number two, somebody would have killed me. I was highly opinionated, even when I didn't know Christ, all right? I mean, it's, it's, it's insane what the battles they're fighting today are not the battles that we fought. And so we've got to continually create an environment where they can walk in and admit what they're struggling with, and we don't make them feel weird or judged for struggling with what they're struggling with. I'm, I'm here to tell you, if, if you're... If you're struggling with something today, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It means you're normal. It confirms you're human. And if you stay silent about your struggle, you will lose control. By the way, side note, I know a little something about this. Let's look at what happens next. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently, not just, not just to the ground, but violently. So there's, this, is, this, this is like a bad thing. Throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Now, let me pause real quick. And if I just said to you, hey, man, when you leave here today, like, What's your plans? What would you like to do this afternoon? Nobody's going to go, well, I'd like to go to Target. And when I get there, I want an evil spirit to throw me violently to the ground. And then I want to foam at the mouth and grind my teeth and become rigid. Nobody wants that. Now, by the way, that will happen naturally if you go to Walmart. But I'm, I'm, that's why I said target. That's why that's, it just happens, all right? 
<laughs> so can, can we admit that this, this young man had completely lost control? It, and nobody likes losing control. I can remember when I was a teenager. Y'all remember back in the day? Some of y'all remember back in the day when you could ride in the back of somebody's pickup truck? Remember that? And you didn't get shamed for it and you didn't get arrested. We could ride in the back of the truck on the interstate. Y'all remember that? I mean, on the interstate. I can remember riding in the back of the truck with a bunch of my friends and a buddy of mine who was driving the truck pulled up and I was going to jump out of the truck like I just, you're, you're a teenager, so you, you're indestructible, right? And so as I was jumping out of the truck, my toe caught the, the tailgate. And on the second flip, I remember thinking, this is going to hurt. <laughs> I lost control. Nobody likes to lose control, but, but, but pay attention. Pay attention for just a second. He couldn't talk about his problems because the enemy took away his ability to talk. And it always leads to loss of control. Always leads to loss of control. And then, and then there's this confusing statement in there. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it, which that doesn't make sense. Because the disciples earlier had been commissioned by Jesus to go and preach the gospel, and they actually laid their hands on sick people. They cast out demons. Why couldn't they do it? It's very simple. They were trying to reach the next generation the way they reached their generation. And I'm telling you all, if we're going to reach teenagers and we're going to reach children, we ain't going to be able to do it the way we got reached, okay? If you were my age, you didn't have what our kids have right now. You didn't have that. Because if, if you would have had that, you, you wouldn't be at a church called Second Chance. Let's just, let's, just, let's just really get real. If you went to church at, at like I'm 50, if you went to church, you, you had to go to heaven because they bored the hell out of you. That, that's, that's, that, and that's legit. Your mama's elbows were sharp. Your daddy's belt could come out in the moment. I mean, that, you got taken outside. We don't reach kids like that today. Teenagers, when I was a youth pastor, it's easy to reach teenagers. You know how you reach teenagers? You just told them you're going to have pizza on Wednesday night, and they'd all show up because they were all starving. Today, they're like, I got DoorDash. I can get pizza anytime I want. They got DoorDash and your credit card. That's how they get DoorDash, right? And so, so we're not going to reach the next generation with yesterday's methods. That's why I love it when people say they want to work with students. I'm like, do you? Do you? Because they're asking questions that we didn't get asked when we were. We, didn't, we weren't asking these questions. Anyway, let's keep, let's keep going. It gets better. Jesus said to them, How you, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Did Jesus get frustrated? Yeah. He didn't say this with, how long must I be with you? I mean, I just, he, he's, he's frustrated. And then this is my favorite thing. Bring the boy to me. Let me ask you a question. Answer it honestly. Don't, answer, don't give me a church answer. Give me an honest answer. Do you want this boy in this condition anywhere near you or your family? No. 
If you saw this guy in the lobby, you wouldn't go, hey, 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 when you get done with all that, come sit with me. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, Glenda, go back to the car and get the taser. Because this, I mean, I heard Pastor P's got some weird people coming, but this takes the cake. This is, this is, this is weird. But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus always wants the people that nobody else wants. Jesus right here, Jesus, nobody, nobody's wanting to get near this boy because they might get what he's got. And Jesus is like, bring him to me. Bring him to me. That's what I love. I love creating an atmosphere where anybody can show up and you can meet Jesus. I don't care how bad you think your life is. I'm glad you're here today. I've had people, literally, I had this conversation about three weeks ago. Do you know that so-and-so goes to your church? I was like, I do. I do. Do you know what they do on Saturday nights? I said, I don't. I, I, I don't. Well, then they told me what the person did on Saturday night. I was like, uh-oh. Now how do you feel about them coming to your church? I said, I think it's more awesome that they went and did that on Saturday night. And they feel okay coming into church on Sunday morning. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. So you mean you're telling me you're okay with them living in sin? I'm like, well, no. First of all, um, I, I, I'm not called to have a referee's jersey, a whistle, and a yellow flag running around calling foul on everybody. Number two... If Jesus doesn't change them, then I can't change them. I want them to be in a place where they can experience the presence of Jesus because I believe over time, Jesus will change us from who we are into who we need to be. And number three, just so you know, I don't spend a lot of time looking through the binoculars at other people. I spend more time looking in the mirror in my own sin, and I've got so far to go in my personal walk with Christ. Anyway... They're, they're not, that person's not here today. Um, actually, the person they're talking about was. I've already seen you. You're in the room this morning. You are. I saw you. You know who you are. I, I, I stuck up for you. Now, don't look around because that could literally be 200 people. 200 people. I, literally, it could be. could be. So they brought the boy, when, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion. This kid has gone through it. Like, he's already violently threw him to the ground. Now we got a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Now, what I want to do here really quick is I want to destroy a myth that Christians tell other Christians. Now, what I'm about to say is a myth. Because it's a myth, you do not amen this because it's a myth. It's a, it, it is not a truth, it's a lie. Lies don't come from heaven, they come from the devil. So if you amen this, you are on the devil's team. I'm trying to get you to not amen what I'm about to say because when I say it, if you grew up in a church background, you're going to want to amen it, but it's not true. Are you ready? Here's the myth that is not true that you should not say amen to. Here it is. In the presence of Jesus, there's always peace. God, I wish that was true. 
I wish it was true. If it was true, do you know how easy my life would be and your life would be if that was true? Now, some of y'all are going, well, it is true. It is true. In the presence of Jesus, there's peace. Explain the boy. Is he in the presence of Jesus? Yeah, he's more in the presence of Jesus than any of us are right now. Does he have peace? Yes or no? No. When you some of you answered no, hasn't no. Okay. When you are in a violent convulsion and writhing and foaming at the mouth, that's not what I do to relax. What are you going to do to relax? <laughs> that, that's not relaxing to me. He's, he's not at peace. I'm, isn't it funny how the enemy can attack you just about anywhere you go? I, I did a post on this not too long ago, but I'm telling y'all, I've been in the presence of Jesus before and not had peace. I, I, I said in a post a few weeks ago, there's always two sermons going on when I'm preaching. It's the sermon that you hear, and the other sermon is the things that's coming at me in my mind. And I promise you, y'all think some of the things I say is crazy. You, if you could hear... The things that the enemy is trying to tell me while I'm trying to... There are people in this room, we've been in the presence of God and all of a sudden a thought will hit you that'll drag you off that mountain into that valley. The enemy can attack us anywhere we go. I mean, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean... I mean, you've been in church before and there, there's been Sundays where you just can't seem to kick that worship gear in. It's because the enemy's robbing you of your peace. How did, how'd that start, Pastor P? Well, it's real simple. Let's go back to the beginning. There's something going on in your life you need to talk about that you won't talk about. You lost control. And you lost your peace. So Jesus said, bring him to me. And then you would think things go good. But literally all hell breaks loose. And it's, 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 it goes nuts. And verse 21 says, how, how long, Jesus is got a question. He said, how long has this been happening, Jesus asked, boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. So, so this isn't a problem that's just been, a, it, it, it's, it's been around for a while. By the way, let me, let me back up to this last verse. If you're one of the disciples and you see the boy having a convulsion and he gets in front of Jesus and it gets worse. If I'm one of the disciples, this is what goes through my mind. Oh, this one's not leaving without a fight. And if you got an issue that's been dominating your life for a while, I wish you could just pray it away. But that thing's not going away without a fight. Oh, let me just say it again because it's convenient. The first step to a fight is admitting that you got a problem. So, so. Jesus said, how long has it been going on since he was a little boy? Okay. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. You know, that's the goal for the enemy, right? The goal for the enemy is to get you to a place where if he, if he doesn't kill you physically, he wants to kill us spiritually. He'll steal our joy, he'll steal our peace, he'll steal our hope, and that's, if he can do that, then we tap out. And, and, and so he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. 
Now, a lot of people read this, and we judge this man. <laughs> Who's he thinking? If you can, who you think? Okay, just let's be fair to him. We're in Mark chapter 9. The man had not read Mark 1 through 8. <laughs> Didn't he know who he was talking to? No. But I love the fact, I love the fact, I loved the fact that he didn't know what to do. He had ran out of options, so he just brought the boy to Jesus. Now, somebody asked me the other day, what's the toughest job you ever had? Toughest job you've ever had, because we're talking about places I work. I said, it's not a place I work. If you're a man, you're, you're going to agree with me, I, or you should at least. Toughest job is, is, is twofold. It's husband and father. It's, 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 it's a tough job. Husband and father. I, I'm a dad. People say stupid things to you when you have a kid. All you need to do is read the Bible. The Bible's God's instruction book on how to bring that kid up. No, it's not. Bible don't tell you what your kid's freaking out at 3 o'clock in the morning. You can't get it to sleep. The Bible doesn't say, thou shalt put the kid on the dryer and cut it on so the <laughs> noise will relax. It doesn't tell you that. Am I right? And if you're a parent, you remember that first child? Now, some of you got like two, three, four children. And if you, by the four children, you're just, you, you don't even care. You're just vaguely aware of some little people in your house. All right? I'm talking about, I'm talking about that first kid. You remember that first kid? And when you're in the hospital, and you remember what they told you? You, you can take them home, and you went, uh-uh. <laughs> Can't, no, what, what do I do with it? It's alive. What do I do with it? And you took it out of the car. You remember putting it in that car seat? Okay, let me stop. I've met Christians that lie to me at Pastor P. I have never said a cuss word in my life. Well, you never put a car seat in. Because you say a car seat in, you will invent cuss words. You got, the, you got your knee in the seat, and you're trying to pull the thing up and it won't go through and finally you're like screw it and you just duct tape the thing because we're in the south and duct tape will hold that kid in in fact you just duct tape the kid in the car it'd be fine and you remember you made it home you don't know what to do with that kid I got a I got a teenager right now she's 14 I don't know what I'm doing people ask me how do you raise godly children I don't know she's 14 well she's godly how'd she get that way she googled my name and did the opposite that's how she got godly okay that's that's all I could say I don't know what I'm doing. So many times spiritually, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to handle this. So the man was finally like, I've tried everything I know how to try. He's desperate. He just brings his son to Jesus. I want this to be a place where we can bring our problems to Jesus. Not our clean problems. Not I missed my Bible time twice this week, but I'm screwed up. I've relapsed. I'm addicted. I can't stop no matter how messy the problem is. I want this to be a place where we can bring that problem to Jesus. I want this to be a place where our teenagers can bring problems to Jesus and they're not judged for it, but they're welcomed with open arms and we lock arms with them and say, we're gonna walk with you through this thing. We're going to fight with you through this thing. We're going to help you through this thing. <clears throat> Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Now, I love this. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. You think he was smirking? Yeah. What do you, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. This next part is my favorite prayer in the Bible. Because I relate to it. I call it the bipolar prayer. You ready for it? Here we go. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. 
I believe. Not really. Hell, that's the prayer. Now, if you come from a hyper-charismatic background, you've been told that if you just have enough faith, if you just have enough faith, you'll get your miracle. And if you didn't get your miracle, it's because you didn't have enough faith. That's a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. The person that told you that is as full of it as a constipated elephant. <laughs> if you think about that, it's pretty bad. I, learned, I was thinking about this. You know where I learned this? I learned this at the Pickens Jockey Lot. <laughs> now, the Anderson Jockey Lot is fascinating. And the Anderson Jockey Lot is the only place I know on the planet where you can walk into one room and buy a little Debbie Cakes, a duck, like a real live duck, and some razors. I mean, you can just get them all right there. <laughs> I want the fudge rounds, the razors, and the duck. Okay? And, like, you can just walk out. But the Pickens Jockey Lot? Huh. There's... The biggest, it's, where, it's where the men are men and so are the women, all right? I mean, it's just, it's just a crazy place. That's the jockey lot I grew up going to. And my mama would take me, she'd give me some little bit of money, and I'd go around, and I would try to tell people this is how much I'll pay for this or whatever. And I remember I wanted a knife because if you, if you grew up in the South and you're a young man, or you're, you're, you're a guy, you wanted a knife. I mean, that's, that's, we got a knife. I wanted a knife. You had a knife, and it was a $5 knife. But all I had was 50 cents. And I told my mom, I was like, well, can I get some more money? And she just laughed. She said, well, go see, go see if you can get the knife for 50 cents. And I'm like, that ain't going to work. Because this man, this man, he looked like he was 787 years old, wearing a pair of overalls, had a hat with cat on it. Y'all remember the cat hats? He just had cat. Um, and tobacco coming out the side of his mouth. And I was like, this guy, my, dear God, I don't know. So I walked up to him and I said, I said, how much for that knife? And I could see how much it was. He said, it's $5. And I held out my hand. I had two quarters in it. I said, I, said, I, got, fi I got 50 cents. And he looked at me, and he looked at the knife, and he looked at me, and he looked at the knife, and he, he smiled. It's probably the first time he smiled in 480 years. <laughs> and he reached out, and he grabbed that 50 cent, and he put that knife in my hand. He said, you take that knife, boy. I got a $5 knife. For 50 cents. Perry, what in the world does that have to do with the story? Hold on, hold on. Some of you need a $5 miracle, but you got 50 cents of faith. And you're looking at your 50 cents of faith, and you're, you're like, there's no way I can get a $5 miracle for 50 cents of faith. And Jesus is like, give me what you got, I'll take the rest. When we, start, when we start getting honest, when we start getting honest with God, that's when things happen. This guy didn't have any faith, but he was honest. I do believe, but not really. Watch this. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit, literally. He, and when Jesus is speaking, he is speaking the word of God, Yes. So he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear or speak. So he addressed the, he addressed the problem specifically. This is, what I, this is what I can't stand about Christian. And, we, and we've created this culture in church. How can I pray for you? Struggling this week. Struggling with what? Just struggling. You realize that's not going to help. 
Say it. Say what you're struggling with. Say it. It's not going to get better unless you say it. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling in my relationship. I'm struggling with wanting to freaking live. We got to say that stuff because God's word will speak to it. Watch this. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. He spoke it. Can you imagine this kid on the ground, writhing around, hearing the word of God? Do you know sometimes you got to hear something before you can see it? I'll prove it to you. We're going to do an experiment. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Go ahead. Close your eyes. This isn't even prayer time. Close your eyes. There's like four skeptics in the room. You're not closing your eyes. I'm going to pray that your tires go flat. <laughs> eyes closed. You're going to hear something, and when you hear it, you're going to see it. Y'all ready for this? I saw this the other day. It was so good. I was like, I got to rip that off. Here we go. You're going to hear it, then you're going to see it. Everybody ready? Eyes closed. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Open your eyes. How many of y'all saw a cat? I mean, so, come on, I haven't saw a cat. Be, be honest. How many saw a cat? As soon as I meowed, yeah. I meowed, you saw a cat. See, you weren't thinking about it until you heard it. But when you heard it, you saw it, right? Perry, how in the world are you going to tie that into Scripture? I am so glad you asked. Sometimes, in order to get better, we need to hear the Word of God before we can see it come to pass. So what would happen if we created an environment where we heard God has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. If we hear it, we can see it. What if we created an environment where we heard that he is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine? If we heard it, we could see it. What would happen if we created an environment that said his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways? If we hear it, we can see it. I want this to be a place always for this room, for our teenagers, for our children, where we're hearing the word and the promises of God because if we can hear it, we can see it come to pass. And this church will always be a church that stands solid on the word of God because it is the way that you and I can have life spoken into us each and every week. If we hear it, we can see it. And this is a place where you're always going to hear it. So <clears throat> you would think that things got better immediately, right? Wrong. See, the enemy's not going to let you go without a fight. He's not going to let you go. Some of you right now are thinking, I could never speak about what I'm struggling with. I know what that's like. He's not going to go without a fight. Then the spirit screamed. And threw the void into another violent. Is this is this violent? Is this crazy? Is this is this crazy? Yes, it's crazy. Another violent convulsion. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, "He's dead." I got a, I got a question. Is there any hope for a dead person? In normal circumstances, no. You've never gone to a funeral. Let's say you had a friend named Fred that died. 
you and your friend go to Fred's funeral. A week later, you and your friend go to lunch. You're going to say the blessing over your food. Hey, before we say the blessing, let's pray for Fred. Huh? Yeah, I think he's going to pull through. I think he's going to make it. Fred is dead. You don't pray. He's dead. I mean, don't you find it interesting that the Spirit couldn't scare Jesus away or couldn't push the crowd away by being violent? So then he resorted to causing people to thinking he was dead. Because don't miss this. If you think somebody's dead in this culture and in this situation, you abandon them. You don't touch them because they're unclean. And if you touch a dead person, you become unclean too. I'm talking to the person right now in this room watching online. You feel like you've been left for dead. You fought some battles. You're fighting some battles completely exhausted. And you feel like this is what people are saying about you. He's dead. You've been left for dead. I know what that feels like. But thank God the story's not over. Because Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. When everybody else abandoned him, Jesus took him by the hand. Jesus wasn't afraid of being labeled unclean. Jesus wasn't afraid that he would catch what the boy had. Jesus said, everybody else around has given up on this kid. And y'all say, this is over. I say, get ready for a miracle. Somebody in this room needs to hear. You feel dead in your walk with Jesus. But today you need to hear Get ready for a miracle because Jesus specializes in taking dead things and bringing them back to life. The only reason I'm standing on this stage today is because Jesus took me by the hand and helped me to my feet. But watch this. But the boy stood up. Jesus didn't do it all. Jesus took him by the hand and helped him, but the boy had to put effort in too. Jesus is going to do it all. That's why we don't get healed. Jesus is going to do it all, but he's putting it on us to take that next step, whatever that is. I'm telling you, this is a, I want this to be a place always, always where we know that God is for us, that God is not against us, that he wants to bless us, that he has greater plans for us, and that we can rest in that. It is so much greater to step into an environment of compassion rather than condemnation because that's who Jesus is, and that's who I always pray he is in this place for us. So, Father, right now, would you all stand with me? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as 
we stand and we just put our focus on you. God, I want to pray for the people in this room that feel like they can't speak it. Father, I want to pray for the people in this room that feel like something is out of control in their lives. Father, I want to pray for the people in this room that feel like they have been left for dead. Jesus, that we would know that you are greater than our struggles. You are greater than our sin. You are greater than our shame. That your favor is on us. You want greater things for us. God, that we can have hope. We can have peace. We can have joy in your name. Jesus, I pray that that would be our prayer. Amen. Amen means let it be so, Lord Jesus. And God, that your word that was spoken today, may it be so in our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe, maybe you need to speak what you're struggling with right now for the first time to Jesus. Jesus, I'm struggling with this. Maybe you realize you need to talk to someone about this. Our care team is available. The person that you came with is available. You, you, but you've got to talk to somebody about this. Maybe you feel like you're out of control and you just need to say, Jesus, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Maybe you feel like you were left for dead. You say, Jesus, bring me back to life. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life. And I want to invite you to pray and ask Jesus into your heart right now. Right where you stand right now, whether you're in the room or you're online. You just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over and take control. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Jesus into your life, if you just prayed that prayer a minute with all your heart, then shoot your hand up in the air and leave it up in the air because we want to celebrate with you. Amen. I want to celebrate with you online. If you're in the room, just put it up. Praise God. Thank you so much. Father, I want to thank you for lifted hands. Father, I want to thank you for changed hearts. Father, I want to thank you for this place. Father, I want to pray to you that this is a place of hope. God, that this is a place of healing. That this is a place of restoration. That nobody has gone too far. Nobody has fallen too hard for you to pick up from the dead. Father, may we leave this place today filled with peace, filled with hope, filled with joy, knowing, God, that in you, your plans are greater, your ways are higher, and that you love us unconditionally. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came today? Me too. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.